Welcome to Success in Medicine. I'm Dr. Samir Desai. An increasing number of U.S. citizens are choosing to attend medical school abroad. The Educational Commission for Foreign Medical Graduates, also known as ECFMG, tracks this information on a yearly basis. To begin residency training in the U.S., graduates of foreign medical schools must be certified by the ECFMG. Review of ECFMG data shows that in 2013, nearly 3,000 U.S. citizen graduates achieved ECFMG certification. To give you an idea of how this has changed over time, in 1995, approximately 500 U.S. citizen graduates achieved this certification. Therefore, there has been a six-fold increase in U.S. citizen IMGs achieving certification over the past two decades. U.S. citizen IMGs studying medicine abroad can choose to attend medical schools all over the world, and that's exactly what this very diverse group does, in fact, do. But there is one part of the world where most of these students go to reach their dreams of becoming a doctor, and that place is the Caribbean. In fact, 75% of the U.S. citizen IMGs who were certified in 2013 attended medical school in the Caribbean. Deciding whether to attend medical school in the Caribbean is a difficult decision. Once that decision has been made, it can be equally, if not more difficult, to decide which one of the more than 60 medical school in the Caribbean to attend. One of the most common questions we receive at our website, thesuccessfulmatch.com, from aspiring physicians is, which Caribbean medical school should I attend? That's why we've decided to profile graduates and current students from different Caribbean medical schools so you, that you can hear what their experiences have been like. We believe that this insider information will help you make a more informed decision as to which school you should attend. In podcast number 22, we profiled a graduate of the Ross University School of Medicine. And today, we shift our focus to the Windsor University School of Medicine. Joining me on today's episode is Maninder Sethi, a recent graduate of Windsor. She will be sharing with us her experiences as a medical student at Windsor University. Maninder, welcome to the Success in Medicine podcast. Thank you for being our guest today. How are you today? I'm well. Thank you for having me. Maninder, I want to start by talking about medical schools in the Caribbean. Uh, you know as, as well as I do that medical students considering attending medical school have many options to choose from. So what led you to attend the Windsor University School of Medicine? Well, I'm the eldest of three, and the main reason for me going to the Caribbean and looking into Windsor was the financial aspect. Windsor has very low tuition, so that's re what really got me interested in the school. For our listeners who may not be as familiar with the Windsor University School of Medicine, the medical school is located on the island of St. Kitts in the West Indies. What was your first impression when you set foot on the island? 
When I first set foot on the island, well, it's very rural, so it was definitely different for me coming from New York, but it was nice. It was a, a nice change of pace. Everything's a little bit slower, so you kind of really appreciate, you know, you, you learn to take in your surroundings and kind of live a little more in the moment. So as you settled into life on St. Kitts as a preclinical student, tell us what that was like going to medical school while living on the island of St. Kitts. I think it was a great experience. So as I mentioned, it's more rural, so things were a little bit slower, and it, it gave me a little a little more time to take in some of my interests. For example, I like running, so I started going running on the beach at sunset every day, so that was really nice, and I feel like it, it gives you a little more time for some personal growth. Weather was usually great. We did have some rainy seasons, but, you know, it didn't last that long. Let's see, food... On the island, you know, the more popular dishes are like the goat stews and and fish, like locally. But they had a lot of cafes and and especially where students were located. So there were it's all like the same food that we have here back home: your burgers and and quesadillas and steaks and all of that. So nothing really changed for me as far as food goes. But I will say, I think the best burger that I ever had was at a place called Penny's. It's on the way to school. And it was just the most amazing burger ever. And something that I definitely really miss. So there there are three really popular areas where students stayed. Frigate Bay is the main tourist area. And they have student housing there. They also have private housing there. It's... I guess what you would say is, since it's so heavily populated, it would be your your safest area. Then there's Bird Rock and Limekill, which I've lived in Forget Bay and Bird Rock, so if there's any questions there, I can definitely answer them. Bird Rock, I feel like I, I moved there towards the end of my time in St. Kitts, and I did that to have a little more privacy because sometimes when you're around so many students, you don't really have much time to yourself. And the people are just great. The locals, they're very friendly and very well-mannered. So it it's a great experience. Overall, very helpful people. Our listeners who are considering Windsor University for medical school will be interested to know about the students that attend the school. What are the students like and what parts of the world do they come from? I was pretty surprised at least to know that a large population of, of the students were actually from, from Canada. So I would say mostly we had Canadian students, not very many American students, but there definitely were uh, you know a good amount of us and a large Nigerian population. And then there were, I also met people from England and and even from India. So it's a, it's a nice mix of people. And I think that meeting people from all these different backgrounds, it kind of shows you how your actions or, you know, the way we speak, how it can be perceived differently amongst different backgrounds. And it, I think it's really important as a physician because it teaches you to be more aware of your patients and how their personal values and beliefs can differ from yours. And I think it's very important 
when building the patient physician relationship, which is uh, the I believe the foundation for your for for good healthcare at least. Before we talk about the curriculum, I know that you were also drawn to Windsor University because students have the opportunity to make an impact on the island community. For example, you were involved in the organization Students for Health. Can you tell us what you did through this group? So Students for Health is an organization where there's usually one doctor overseeing the organization and there's a group of students who just get together and try to get more involved in the local community and while expanding our own skills. So basically we would do some free screening such as blood pressure monitoring, glucose checks, and BMI evaluations. And based off of that, we would do some counseling. And the reason that we did this is, you know, one, from an educational perspective, it was a great way to practice our skills early in our career and um, a great way to interact with people of uh, different backgrounds, you know, and and build our skill set. And... It, it also was a very rewarding experience. So you're interacting with people who may not be able to afford healthcare or are so busy that they're unable to allocate time. And you show them, you take this as an opportunity to show them that they're taking a step in the right direction and investing in their own healthcare and why it is so important. And hopefully they'll come back or they will start seeking medical attention. And it, it's just... It, there's no other experience like it. It's it's very rewarding to have that experience with a patient. Let's talk about your preclinical years. The first five semesters are considered part of your preclinical curriculum. Uh, during that time, you take the typical coursework that is expected in such areas as anatomy, histology, biochemistry, and pathology. Can you tell us how these courses are taught? Sure. So there there's so many different professors and everybody has their own style so some of them will use the powerpoint and i remember one of my professors he used the old school projectors so that the style is different from class to class but no matter what the style is all the professors had one thing in common and that was calling on students in class so you know they ensured that you were prepared and you know we so we would be in school from I think about like nine to about four, four or five p.m. I studied at the library on campus a lot. They also or they also opened up facilities that were in town closer to where students lived, so students would be able to access them at night and late, had late hours of libraries closer to to where students lived. And the professors were great. You. Their, their doors were always open. You can go at any point to talk to them. And if they, if they were busy, you can set up a time to meet them later. But I, I never had an experience where I wanted to have some help or talk to a professor and I was turned away. I, I can say that, that, that the accessibility is extremely convenient because there are no set office hours you know where your professors are in between your classes, and it is up to you if you want to go seek their help. Well, it's great to know that your professors were so accessible. Uh, I want to talk now a little bit about the exams that you take during the preclinical years. What type of exams do you take, and, and how often do students have to take these exams? 
So there were, we would have, you know, your typical mid-semester exams and your finals, but then we would also have some oral exams throughout the semester. And we would also have, sometimes we would have, frequently we would have pop quizzes even in class just to, and they would count towards your grade. So there was, there were many, many different modalities for testing. In your fifth and last semester of your preclinical curriculum, Windsor University begins to prepare you for the transition from the preclinical to clinical years of medical school. Tell us more about what they do to get you ready for clerkships. Yeah, so this I thought was very useful. They they basically teach you how to use various tools, tools that you find in the office and let us practice with other patients and, you know, just help us work on our history and, and physical exams and taught us various physical exam techniques and maneuvers. And it, it was just great because once you get into your rotations, you, you know, you're, you're already comfortable doing a lot of the stuff that, that you need on a day-to-day basis. How does the school help students prepare for the USMLE Step 1 exam? So your fifth semester, a lot, a large portion of it is a board review course through the school. And you have to, you have to complete the course. And you also have to meet their percentile on an MBME. So whatever they set it, it's, it's, always changing so I'm sure I can't give you an exact number they want you to to exceed or meet a certain percentile on an MBME and that's when they'll approve your paperwork for you to even take your step exams and there's some students let's say that may have difficulty with that then they offer you extra help to try to get you on the course towards meeting their their preferred percentile for the exam Medical students attending Windsor University can do their core rotations at a number of different sites. What are some of these sites, and where did you end up doing your rotations? Well, I did most of my rotations in Illinois, mostly in the city of Chicago. But rotations are open in the sense that, like, I know people who've done their rotations in Virginia. I know some people who've done them in Michigan. And... You can you can find your own rotations yourself, or and the school will you know do their research and let you know if you're allowed to rotate there. But I feel like rotations are they're very they're for the student in the sense that like they they make it to accommodate what your needs are. So let's say if I have an interest in family medicine and I know that I I know that from early on. I can personally find somewhere that I think would be best for my needs and I can do an, an, another elective in that. So they help build it the way you want it. So I like to book my rotations in advance so that way I would make sure that I had good rotations and also because I like to have a schedule. So I had my rotations planned out like six months ahead of time just to ensure that if there was a long waiting list for a particular rotation that I was in. So it all goes through the clinical coordinator at school and you tell them what you want and you can also help them or let them know of a new location if you if you find a new location that you want to rotate at. It's very open. 
at Windsor, while you were doing your rotations, you were named lead student. Tell us how that came to be and what you did in that role. Sure. So this was something that was developed through my attending in my IM core rotation. And basically, he would he would pick someone that he felt was was doing really well in the rotation or and was able to handle more responsibility. The main purpose is to ensure that the new students that are coming in are trained properly and know how to use the ear more correctly and most importantly know how to have a good patient note because of the importance of its the the communication that goes through the patient note for multiple different purposes. I I really enjoyed it. I would help new new students transition during their rotations and I continue to do this after my rotation was over as well. I would I would familiarize them with the EMR I, and the way things work in his clinic and ensure that they know how to have a good patient note, help them with any physical exam questions they may have, make sure they know the proper techniques and maneuvers. And we would work on some journal discussions together as well. And we would actually, after hours or even before clinic, we would use his office space to practice for our CS exams. So so that was really great. And in addition to that, there was, you know, more responsibility. So I would organize the student's schedules. I would fill in for the MA. At that time, he only had one medical assistant. So if she didn't come in, the lab would be closed. So then that included lab work, billing, handling the specimens. But mostly it was to help the students and work with the students. And it was a great way to see what my teaching skill sets were and teach them, but also to learn from them and, and improve my own skills too. So I really enjoyed it. That's something that's really what inspired me. My attending in that rotation has taught me the value in in learning and working with your colleagues and also teaching. And that's something that I will that I hold important and would like to continue to do for the rest of my career. You also had opportunities during your core rotations to teach other team members. Tell us more about those opportunities. Many of my attendings and professors at Windsor would say that if you really know something, you should be able to teach it to me. In other words, if if I can't teach it to you, then that means I'm lacking some information in between. So this was a good way to to really test what you know. And it, I don't know, I just found it really rewarding as well, like working with people and and helping them in something they may be struggling with. And then also, it, it it's weird because you're trying to teach somebody else something, but you usually, like, you don't walk away from it empty-handed. You wind up learning something yourself as well. So I did work closely with many of my colleagues. Mainly we worked on our, our proper soap notes and as I mentioned, familiarizing them with the EMRs, but we definitely discuss discuss concepts in medicine and and improving other skill sets such as your physical exams. How are students evaluated during their rotations? So there are there are your midway evaluations and your final evaluations. And I really enjoyed the the midway 
evaluations. I I thought that that was the, the best thing that you can come up with because if I'm in this rotation and I have an opportunity to improve myself before I leave, that's what I want to do. I don't want to just find out at the end of the rotation, well, you could have done X, Y, and Z better. I want to have an opportunity to see if I can do X, Y, and Z better. So I think that that's something really important and should exist across all schools. We also had our our exams for each rotation. At the end, end of each rotation, we would have multiple choice exams to see if we learned enough from the rotation to master a particular subject. And we also had case logs and assessments that were graded after each rotation. And it depended on the attending on how they wanted to do it, but we did have oral exams to see how, you know, how well you present your cases. But some some sometimes you would have a specific day on on how this this would be executed but normally it was like on a daily basis like you know you present your case are you doing a good job or not you're gonna get feedback and I think that's really important as well because we know how important it is to communicate things in a fast manner and the essential information. Any final recommendations or advice for students considering attending medical school in the Caribbean? So attending medical school in general especially in the Caribbean I feel like if you're going to attend medical school in the Caribbean, you have to be very sure of what you want to do. Like, it's not like, you know, let's say you're an undergrad and you're like one day you're a math major and another day you're a biology major. It is, it is the road of more resistance. So you you don't want to go down it unless you're you're very very sure that you yourself will be successful. And I don't think that it's so much so that you can leave it on to somebody else to get get you to where you need to be. You have to work towards it yourself. I think that you need to grow a lot and, and going to the Caribbean forces you to do that. Whether you are out of high school and go there to do your pre-med and then med, or you're, you've done your undergrad and you go there straight into their medical program, it's a lot of growing for one person. And there are a lot of distractions. And as I was reminded in a recent lecture I attended, you have to have high conviction and high confidence in order to make changes. So in, in other words, how confident are you that you will be a successful physician? And, you know, and by successful, I mean, like, your patients truly trust you and recommend you to, to other people that, that matter to them the most. So I always knew I wanted to practice medicine and there were obstacles such as finances. That's why I decided to go to the Caribbean. And it's an extremely humbling process and I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's helped shape me and I think that it's made me a better physician. But there, you will definitely have your peaks and troughs and you need to continue to remain focused through it. As long as you can do that and you you believe that you have that high conviction and high confidence, yes, go to the Caribbean and expand your career. But if you don't have that, that willingness, then it's, it's just not going to happen. I think that anyone can provide the tools and teach you how to use them, but no one can instill their drive onto you. So I think that if you want to become successful, you will. It, you just have to 
keep believing in yourself and not listen to anything negative that anybody else has to say. And that's the most important thing to, to stay focused and remain positive. Well, that's great advice, Meninder. Thank you so much for giving us this window into the Windsor University School of Medicine. I know that our listeners who are considering attending medical school in the Caribbean will find all that you've said very, very useful to them in their decision-making process. Thank you again, Meninder. Thank you for having me. In the future, we'll continue to do interviews with students and graduates of other Caribbean medical schools. And as was the case with today's episode with Meninder, we'll continue to go beyond just giving you superficial information. We want you to have the detailed information you need to make important decisions. That's what the Success in Medicine podcast is all about. For additional resources to help you reach your professional goals, remember to visit us at thesuccessfulmatch.com. And if you have a moment, please do rate and review us on iTunes. We would really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm Dr. Samir Desai.